I wanted to mention, too, before I start preaching, uh, Raymond and Marie Barker. Would you stand? 50 years of marriage. And they have a celebration today at 2 o'clock in the gym. They're inviting you to come, so keep that in mind. Marie, you, you deserve a medal, I say. <laughs> uh, Dusty mentioned to you as this new month has come upon us, we're starting a new series uh, on love. Uh, we've been talking about being a CrossFit Christian. And in February, we talked about the discipline of going. And I hope that you are seeking to go in the name of Jesus and taking that message with you as you go. Uh, In March, we talked about the discipline of praying. And I hope that you uh, have taken a step or two or three in deepening your prayer life. And as this service goes on, we're going to challenge you in that again to be prayer warriors in behalf of this church and in behalf of uh, the kingdom. Uh, We need all of us to be praying. And and now we're talking about loving. (laughs) And and I I just want to introduce this by challenging you to be one who is not just letting all of these words go in one ear and out the other. Now, what good would that do for any of us? Instead of us letting that happen, we need to be hearing the Word and doing what the Word of God is telling us to do. And every one of us need that kind of challenge given to us, beginning with me. Before I preach the sermon to you, it's got to be preached to me. I need to be one who hears the word and does something with it. Jesus said in his Sermon on the Mount that the one who hears the word of God and acts upon it is like a wise man who built his house upon the rock and the rains descended and the floods came and the the winds blew and burst against that house and yet it did not fall because it was founded upon the rock, Jesus said. But the one who hears the word of God and does not act upon it is like a man who builds his house upon the sand. And the rains come and the winds blow and the flood waters rise. And they burst against that house and Jesus said, it fell and great was its fall. So would you choose to be one who hears the word of God and obeys? Be that person who's building your house upon a rock, the solid rock of Jesus. And so as we talk about love, that's certainly what we need to be doing all through the month is hearing the word about love and putting it into practice. All of us are to to love our neighbor. It's the mark of being a disciple of Jesus. Granted, it's not always easy to do, but it's necessary if we are going to wear His name. Jesus was asked by a lawyer, which is the greatest commandment in all of the law? You remember, there's over 600 of them. 
And we've been reading in the Old Testament law in our daily reading. We've read through Leviticus and Numbers, and now we're in Deuteronomy. And there are a lot of laws, aren't there? And so this lawyer is questioning Jesus, which of these is the greatest? And Jesus, without hesitation, says, the greatest commandment is to love the Lord your God with all of your heart, mind, soul, and strength. And the second greatest commandment is to love your neighbor as you love yourself. So let me take it this way as we begin. Our motivation for love is His love. As we get a good look at His love for us, then it should be helping us to have a greater love for our neighbor. Now, we, we talked about uh, let, let me ask you this question. If, if, if His love is our motivation, what's His love look like? Well, first of all, His love is sacrificial. And we talked about that as we ended our teaching on uh, the going series. We, we looked at His love, which is so beautifully described in John 3.16, and we said that that is a motivation for us going into the world with the gospel. It's also a motivation for us to love the world. His love is sacrificial in that He gave His only begotten Son. Romans 5.8 says, But God demonstrated His own love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. God gave us His Son to die for us. Would you think about that for just a moment? Let it sink into your mind and heart. Let that truth permeate your very being. The eternal God of this universe gave up His one and only Son so that you could have life. He loved you that much. He loves me that much. It wasn't that He looked down upon us and could see that we were a good person and we deserve such a gift. No. He looked down upon us and He could see who we were and what we are. He could see that we are sinners. We were His enemies. And yet He sent His Son to die for us anyway because of His great love for us. And, and you do realize that plan was in place before time began. You see, He knew. He knew what we would be. He knew that we would be a sinful, disobedient people. And He knew that we would need somebody to save us lest we go to hell. And so I, I'm just envisioning this conversation happening uh, in heaven before there was even a created earth or universe or anybody. There, the Father turns to the Son and says, you, you Son, will go in, in their place. And you will die for them. And Jesus says, yes, Father, I will go. And so when the time was right, Jesus stripped Himself of His heavenly glory and He bid His Father farewell and He came here as a little baby. The Father's love, along with Jesus' love, is truly sacrificial. And think about it. The shadow of the cross 
lay across the manger in Bethlehem, for that is the reason for which he came. Could I show you a few verses about how that plan was in place before any of this world was even in existence? 1 Peter 1, 20 and 21, it says he, he, this is about Jesus, he was chosen before the creation of the world, but was revealed in these last times for your sake, though through him you believe in God who raised him from the dead and glorified him. Ephesians chapter 1, verse 4 says, For He chose us in Him. Who, who's the He and the Him? Uh, Jesus, God is the He. God chose us in Him. Jesus. Before the creation of the world. To be holy and blameless in His sight. Acts chapter 2, verse 23. This man, Jesus, delivered over by the predetermined plan and foreknowledge of God, you nailed to a cross by the hands of godless men and put him to death. Do you remember who said that? Peter said that on the day of Pentecost. He said it to the very Jews who had killed Jesus. Indeed, it was God's plan for Jesus to die. And that plan was in place before the world was even created. It was a sacrificial kind of love on the part of the Father. Moms and dads, can you imagine giving up your son, your daughter, for someone who hates you? Paul said in the book of Romans, it's understandable how someone might die for a righteous person, but it's incomprehensible for someone to die for the unrighteous. And yet that's exactly what Jesus did. His love, the Father's love, is sacrificial, and we are the ones who are loved. We are the ones who are the beneficiaries of their love. So as we think about The Father's love, what is it like? First, it's sacrificial. Secondly, God's love is constant. Would you read this verse with me, please, from Romans chapter 8? For I am convinced that neither death nor life, help me, angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Wow! What a promise. Absolutely nothing can separate us from His love. His love is constant. Whatever comes our way, He is in our corner and He will not abandon us and He is holding us in the palm of His hands. That's pretty awesome, isn't it? When we go through the fire, He is there. Any of you been in the fire lately? He is in the midst of the fire with you. It makes me think of those three men in the fiery furnace, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. They literally were in the fire. But guess who was in there with them? Jesus was 
King Nebuchadnezzar said, Was it not three men that we cast bound into the midst of the fire? Look, I see four men loosed and walking about in the midst of the fire without harm. And the appearance of the fourth is like a son of the gods. Indeed, Jesus was with them in the fire, and He will be with you in the fire, just as He will be with me in the fire. Charles Spurgeon said this, When the time comes for you to die, you need need not be afraid, because death cannot separate you from God's love. Neither can financial stress separate you from God's love. Neither can shattered dreams separate you from God's love. Broken relationships cannot separate you from God's love. The loss of a job cannot separate you from God's love. You fill in the blank. Whatever it is that you experience when you are in that fire, it cannot separate you from God's love. His love is constant. One of my favorite sayings, and I have said this maybe more than any other saying in all of my years of preaching, uh, and, and that saying is this. There is no pit so deep that he isn't deeper still. And that's true. You think about it. He was with David when he faced the giant. He was with Daniel As he faced the lion's den, he was with Elijah during the three and a half year drought. Do you remember how he fed Elijah? The ravens came and brought him food. And believe me, it was not roadkill. Chapter 17 of 1 Kings says that the birds brought him bread and meat in the morning and again in the evening. And then, then there came a point where God sent him to the widow who lived at Zarephath. The, the, the brook had run out of water. And so he says, go to the woman at Zarephath and I will lead you there. And so he went and as he arrived at her place, she was gathering sticks for a fire. She was going to make a fire and she was going to make her and her son their very last meal together. They, she just had a little bit of flour and she had a little bit of oil in her jar and she was going to make a bread cake for she and her son to eat and then they were going to die. And Elijah says, make me a bread cake first. What? Make me a bread cake first. And then if you do that, Your supply of flour and oil will not be exhausted until the day comes that God sends rain on the earth. And that is exactly what happened. And and we've read in our reading in the Old Testament books of of, of Exodus, how he's, he's with Moses and the people of Israel as they stood at the banks of the Red Sea. He was with them as they made their way through the wilderness, providing for them what they needed. His love is constant. Would you say that with me? His love is constant. It's sacrificial. It's constant. 
His love is unbiased. In other words, His love is for all people. 2 Peter 3.9 says that the Lord is not slow about His promise, as some count slowness, but He is patient towards you, not wishing for any to perish, but for all to come to repentance. 1 Timothy chapter 2, verses 3 and 4 says, This is good and acceptable in the sight of God our Savior, who desires all men to be saved and to come to the knowledge of the truth. His love is unbiased. He wants all men to be saved. He wants all men to be a part of His family. Job chapter 34, verse 19. You know, as Job was talking uh, with those friends of his, they didn't always give him good advice. But in this particular instance, Elihu was right on in what he was saying to Job. He's giving reference to God about jo- to Job, and this is what he says. He says, "...who shows no partiality to princes, or nor regards the rich above the poor, for they all are the work of his hands." God shows no partiality. His love is unbiased. Now keep in mind where I'm going with this sermon. His love is the motivation for us to love. And so if we get a good look at what His love is like, it should help us in our love. His love is sacrificial. His love is constant. His love is unbiased. It's towards all people. And His love should motivate us to love. love. Let Let me ask you, how can we not be loving towards others when we have been shown by Him how to love? See how great a love the Father has bestowed upon us that we would be called children of God and such we are says 1 John 3:1 his love is so much higher than what we can even begin to imagine and what we do understand about his love is just a fraction of what it really is it is so different than our kind of love oftentimes his love is not Influenced by nationality. His love is not influenced by one's IQ. His love is not influenced by one's skin color. Our bank account, big or small, does not impress him. Which side of the tracks in town that we live, that doesn't make one bit of difference to him. He is not moved by our status here or our fame. He loves all people the same. And here's a fourth point, and then I'll get to the conclusion of how we are to love each other. The fourth point is God's love is undeserved. There's nothing that we could do to earn His love. The only thing that we have earned is hell. The only thing that we have earned is hell. But God. Would you say those two words with me? But God. I think they could be, maybe, the two greatest words 
in Scripture. But God. If you're familiar with the context of Ephesians chapter 2, where those words appear, Paul was talking about our sinful state. He says, you were dead in your transgressions and sins. You were living in darkness. You were living according to the flesh. You were appeasing the prince of the power of the air. In other words, you were falling right into the devil's hands, indulging in the desires of the flesh. But God, there it is, but God, being rich in mercy, because of His great love with which He loved us, even when we were dead in our transgressions, made us alive together with Christ, for by grace you have been saved. His love is undeserved. But it is freely given to all of those who put their trust in Him. If we got what we really deserved, it would be hell. But God, in His grace and mercy, has reached down to save us, to give us the chance to go to heaven. I've heard it said this way, grace is God giving to us what we don't deserve, and mercy is God not giving to us what we do deserve. Think about that. The first part of that... Grace is God giving to us what we don't deserve. What don't we deserve? We don't deserve forgiveness. We don't deserve a healing of being born again. We don't deserve heaven. We don't deserve freedom. And I'm not talking about freedom in America. I'm talking about freedom from sin. I'm talking about free to to live as He has created us to live. We don't deserve any of that. And yet He has given it to us through His grace. And then the other side of that, mercy. Mercy is God not giving to us what we do deserve. What is that? Hell. Punishment. The wrath of God upon us. He's chosen in His mercy not to give us those things. If we'll put our trust in Jesus. Rick Warren said this. God is love. He didn't need us. But he wanted us. And that is the most amazing thing. (laughs) Isn't that amazing? That he wanted us. To be His. His love is sacrificial. His love is constant. His love is unbiased. His love is undeserved. And so my question to you is, are you letting His love be a motivation to you to love your neighbor? And what does that look like? You know, here recently, I've been getting a more clear picture of what that should look like. Simply through the Sermon on the Mount that Jesus preached. It's, it's best described in this way. When someone hits you on the one cheek, what do you do? Turn the other cheek. That's love. When someone has you walk one mile with them, what do you do? You freely walk 
a second mile with them. When, when, when someone curses you, what do you do? You bless them. When someone mistreats you, Jesus said in the Sermon on the Mount, what do you do? You pray for them. When someone offends you, what do you do? You forgive them. You don't hold a grudge. That's love. You see someone who's in need? Meet their need. Someone wants to borrow your shirt? Give them a coat too. It's getting out of ourselves and doing for someone else what Jesus would do. That's love. And that's hard to do. But it is the best way. It's the God-honoring way. For if you love those who love you, what reward do you have? Do not the tax gatherers even do the same? And if you bless those who bless you, or if you greet those who greet you, do not even the pagans do that? We're called to be different than the world. I'm asking you as God's children to love your neighbor. And if you don't know who your neighbor is, read the story of the Good Samaritan in Luke chapter 10 because it, it answers that question. Your neighbor is whoever you cross paths with. You love them as Jesus would and you meet their needs. You forgive, you practice patience and gentleness, and you reach out to those people whom the world rejects, and you show that kind of love. If you do that, if you show that kind of love, God will be pleased.